0: In a way, we're lucky. Nobody that I know has lived through a pandemic. Anyone who was alive during the pandemic of 1918, they would have been too young to remember, although I'm sure that experience probably shaped them in some fundamental ways, just as this moment is impressing itself upon the young people of our day. We're lucky because we live in a world that for the most part is concerned with chronic disease. We actually have that good fortune. Infectious epidemic disease? That's something from the distant past if we live in a developed country or perhaps the theme of a scary Hollywood movie. And while it seems we have a kind of dominion over nature, COVID-19 is here to remind us that we don't. It's here to remind us that we live inextricably entangled in a web of connection. We're all deeply interdependent. And those connections now show themselves by the shortages at the local warehouse store and our fear of where someone else might've just been and if they're carriers of a particular virus, and what that might mean to us or to someone that we love. I'm not going to waste our time here together with reminders for safety and hygiene that you've already heard a 100 times. The medicine I practice is non-conventional, and so my thoughts and methods are also not what you're going to hear in the mainstream. And by the way, the guidelines from the CDC that have changed how you wash your hands and consider social contact, those are good advice. What I have to offer is another perspective that is inclusive of what you're already doing. Let's start with something fundamental to life. We are all porous. Things move in and out of us all the time. Be it the gaseous exchange in our lungs, the food in our gut, the water that quenches our thirst, as well as the emotions and connections that come from our familiar and social interactions. We're not isolated beings. Our boundaries at all levels are semi-permeable. There's a lot of concern right now for, air quotes here, immune boosting practices, herbs, vitamins, or medications. We have this idea that if we can keep the coronavirus out of us, well, any pathogen for that matter, then we will be healthy and we will be well. And it's true that for vitality and health, our systems must discern what belongs and what does not. But when you look more closely, we're dealing with a more nuanced situation than having a border that keeps out the invader. After all, look at the Great Wall of China. That didn't prevent the Mongols from establishing the Yuan dynasty. We are living, dynamic, interconnected beings that span cellular to social levels. Narrowing attention to simply boosting immunity leaves us blind to the functioning of our physical organism as a whole and how it is connected and dependent on the external environment. A Buddhist friend likes to annoy me with this question where does your perception end in the thing you're perceiving begin? In that vein, where does your body end in the world that supports your body begin? I would encourage you to be cautious around anything that's touted as immune boosting, as it's often a well-baited hook of someone who's trying to sell you something. Instead, please, consider that the best way to protect yourself is to be able to respond in an effective manner to this virus, or really, any virus, when you encounter it. This rarely means you'd be better off taking a particular supplement or herb, although there are things that do have a, although these things do at times have a role to play. Please, I encourage you, avoid trusting any kind of panacea. From the Chinese medicine perspective, it's not about keeping the virus out so much as it is having a state of health that is resilient enough to metabolize the influence of the pathogen in a way that does not cause injury to the rest of your system. This is where it starts to get interesting because, as I already mentioned a moment ago, it has something to do with where we draw the boundary that defines me. At the cellular level, me is delineated by the cell membrane. It's a semi-permeable boundary that allows nutrition in and provides an exit for wastes. Anatomy books will illustrate the cell membrane as a kind of brick wall boundary, but in reality, it serves as an organ of sensing and communication that allows for a kind of integrity between what's inside and what's out. In a way, you can say it defines me and other, But as you might have noticed on your last trip to the grocery store, me cannot exist without a vital interplay with many others. We, of course, are all concerned with our physical well-being. And it's difficult to know how many of us carry the SARS-CoV-2 in our blood or mucous membranes, as collectively, we've chosen not to look that closely. But at the psychosocial emotive level, especially under the influence of that unique electronic extension of our nervous system, you know, the one we call the internet, anybody with an internet connection has been infected with a kind of fear and dread. And if we're looking at our organism as a whole, then we know that a well-functioning boundary membrane, it's vitally important. So too are the internal organs, our psycho emotive well-being, and because we are social creatures our relationships, and our connections with each other. At this level, at the psychoemotive level, we are all infected. Are you aware of how a virus works? they are brilliant bits of genetic manipulation. Unlike bacteria, viruses are not alive, but they do carry genetic material. However, they cannot reproduce themselves. They need a living host organism to do that. So they hook into that semi-permeable membrane that all beings have, and inject their own genetic material into it. In the case of the coronavirus, it's a cell of the respiratory system. This in turn directs the cells within the lungs to create more coronavirus. You could say it uses the natural economy of the cell to manufacture more coronavirus, which eventually destroys the cell and releases the virus into the respiratory system, which then moves out of you into the environment and then into another person. Really, it's a brilliant bit of engineering on nature's part. So as humans, we have concerns at the physical level, which is why we're currently limiting our physical contact with each other. But at the psychosocial emotive level, we are infected with a ridiculous amount of fear and replicating it with email, social media posts, and instant messages where we share our fear and we share our anxiety. Without ever touching your mucous membranes, your body is reacting to the deep uncertainty of this moment. None of us are going to drop our internet connected lives. So instead of focusing on immunity, which in essence means turning off your internet connection, it's better to build your resiliency so your system doesn't lose its ability to self-balance and self-heal. So this brings up the question, what makes for resiliency? Good digestion, restorative sleep, emotional cushioning, literally room to breathe, and the ability to connect and interact with our environment. The ability, in essence, to metabolize whatever comes to us, be it pathogens, food, experiences, both good and bad, in such a way that we're able to respond without reactivity. This, in turn, helps us to become stronger. It's not about keeping the pathogen out. It's about being more adaptive than it is. It's basic biology that once our immune system learns to deal with any pathogen, we do in fact become more capable and we become more resilient as our system gains the ability to control the invader. How to build immunity? Well, you survive the first encounter with the virus. That's what you do. It's not just about building that brick wall immunity that I was talking about. It's about cultivating enough overall health and vitality that your body can naturally regulate and heal itself. And part of that vitality and resilience comes from a steady, calm heart and spirit. It comes from living more through connection than living through fear. I'm not talking about positive thinking here. I'm suggesting a resiliency that allows for being present to whatever is unfolding in your experience and awareness. However you can cultivate some equanimity, a sense of connection with the great rhythms and tides of life, a feeling of meaning and agency, however, wherever you find it, be in walks in nature, meditation, prayer, writing, the moments of connection with your children, books of poetry, or just the way the sky falls golden and then dim as the day passes before our eyes. Isn't it curious that when we feel closer to death, we also feel closer to life? In some ways, the blessing of a pandemic is that it pulls us a little closer into the mystery of life. It invites us to find grace in a moment of danger. As to my clinic services, I am an herbalist and I can help, especially in the early and recovery stages of COVID-19. But most of you know me from the acupuncture that I offer, and I'm deeply sorry that at this moment in time, I can't help you with those friendly needles. But I'm here if you need herbal medicine, and I'm here if you need help with reorienting to this curious moment that we all now share, where collectively, we're asked to retreat from the world. The Chinese, for centuries, have been keen on lifestyle and meditative practices that help us with developing the resiliency I've been discussing here with you. And I'm available for internet, video consultations, if you'd like that kind of assistance. You can call the clinic for an appointment or you can schedule it online. And please, if you have questions, concerns, or you just need to connect, then please reach out. We get through a time like this by helping each other through to the other side.